morning. That was really fun. Welcome to the First Universalist Unitarian Church. My name is Amy Place, and I am a member in this congregation. I want to extend a special welcome to everyone joining us here and online this morning. Since 1858, UU Wassa has served as a vital voice for liberal religion in central Wisconsin. We are an intentionally free society that welcomes all people, just as you are, regardless of age, sexual orientation, ethnicity, or economic situation. Wherever you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. We are currently worshiping both in person and online, so be sure to subscribe to the church's newsletter and follow us on Facebook or Instagram for updates. We have three announcements this morning. Today is the Reverend Suzanne's last sabbatical Sunday with us. Join us for coffee hour after the service and let's gather to thank her for the time she has spent with us. Saturday, May 6th, join fellow UU Wasa members as we clean up our section of highway as part of the Adopt-A-Highway program. Details are in the insert in your order of worship. Reminder that next Sunday is the first Sunday potluck of May and the Reverend Brian Mason's first Sunday with us after his sabbatical. Please bring a dish to share and help us welcome him back. And with that, let us gather our hearts and minds for worship. Please join me in the, reciting the church's chalice lighting. You will find the words printed in the order of service. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. So we gather on this ancestral home of many different indigenous peoples we remember the Lakota spiritual concept of matakuyasin. We are all related. We are all interconnected. And so we remember our obligations to good stewardship of these lands, remember our responsibility to establish and maintain right rela relations with their original inhabitants. So come, come into this place of peace and let its silence heal your spirit. Come into this place of memory and let its history warm your soul. Come into this place of prophecy and power and let its vision change your heart. Our opening hymn is hymn number 146. Soon the day will arrive, and if you would wait until the choir, I'm sure I missed a cue there somewhere. Um, <laughs> once again, why I'm ending the way I started. <laughs> Margaret. We did this hymn about four years ago, first as a choir piece, and it has become a piece that we do often 
uh, with our congregational hymns. You might not know that Ehud Manor, the man that wrote the lyrics, wrote these uh, lyrics after the passing of his brother during one of the Middle Eastern conflicts. So these were very, very personal to him. We will, as an introduction, I will play just the first page and then they will come in, the choir will come in and sing the chorus for us and then we'll start at the very, very beginning and sing it straight through.
So if you would remain standing, and in a moment, when the choir finds its seats, if you find the affirmation in your order of service. Love is the doctrine of this church. The quest of truth is its sacrament and service is its prayer. To dwell together in peace, to seek knowledge in freedom, to serve human need, to the end that all souls shall grow into harmony with the divine. Thus do we covenant with each other. And if you join me in the, dux ah, the doxology. This morning, for our Time for All Ages, I want to share with you a story about a journey that took heart, courage, and brains. It's called, very aptly, Journey by Aaron Becker. It's a very special story that actually doesn't have any words, so I want to invite folks in the back or folks that want a closer view to move forward so you can see the screen a little bit better. And if you're not maybe feeling like you have courage to do that right now, you're also welcome to view it after service. And I want to give a special thanks to Margaret, who will be providing us some traveling music. So I present to you Journey by Aaron Becker.
Thank you for going on that journey with me this morning. I invite you to bless our children off to their RE group with May Peace Surround You. The words are printed in your order of worship. offering to sustain and strengthen this place, which is sacred to so many of us, a community of memory and of hope, for we are now the keepers of the dream. The mission and ministry of UUWASA is made possible by the generous support of its friends and members. Rather than pass a plate at this time, we've placed an offering basket in the back of the sanctuary for you to drop a gift in. You can also stop by our website, uuwasa.org to make a one-time or recurring gift with your credit or debit card. Thank you for your support. Rainier Maria Rilke was an Austrian poet and novelist in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And he writes, my eyes already touch the sunny hill going far ahead of the road I have begun. So we are grasped by what we cannot grasp. It has an inner light even from a distance and changes us even if we do not reach it, into something else which, hardly sensing it, we already are. A gesture waves us on, answering our own wave, 
But what we feel is the wind in our faces. So please join me in a time of contemplation, quiet prayer. If you would remain where you are and open your hymnals to hymn number 168, one more step.
One day, you finally knew what you had to do and began, though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice, though the whole house began to tremble and you felt the old tug at your ankles. Mend my life, each voice cried, but you didn't stop. You knew what you had to do, though the wind pried with its stiff fingers at the very foundations, though their melancholy was terrible. It was already late enough, and a wild night and the road full of fallen branches and stones, but little by little, as you left their voices behind, the stars began to burn through the sheets of clouds, and there was a new voice which you slowly recognized as your own, that kept you company as you strode deeper and deeper into the world, determined to do the only thing you could do, determined to save the only life you could save. And I'd like to give you a little insight on the next song the choir is doing, Let Love Lead. It was done by a married couple, Susan Lincoln and Craig Towngate. They wrote the song the day after the 2016 presidential election.
I think over again my small adventures, my fears, these small fears that seemed so big for all the vital things I had to get and to reach. And yet there is only one great thing, the only thing, to live to see the great day that dawns and the light that fills the world. Well, excuse me, it's kind of hard to do this when you're sniffling and crying through songs. Thank you. Uh, well, we're sort of in spring. I recognize this is spring in Wisconsin. It's spring in Duluth, too, um, which means mixed precipitation plus gale winds. So the surfers are probably out on Lake Superior this morning. But soon, soon, Eventually, maybe, um, it will be summer. Summer is coming, and it'll be a time for going to lake cabins and canoe trips and visiting friends and relatives, seeing some place you've never been to before. So, so we, we each do these, these real physical journeys, and we each do these um, multiple journeys, these emotional journeys, these metaphysical journeys, individually and, and collectively. On, we're on somewhat different paths, but because we are human, our journeys encompass many of the same themes. We just keep looking. We're, we're looking for, for the information we need along the way, for, for the tools to make the journey as smooth and gentle as possible, for, for the inspiration and the strength to go on when the going gets rutted, bumpy, full of hazards, full of despair. And often we look for a wizard, the one who will magically impart all this knowledge. Oh my gosh, I forgot my magic wand. Oh well. And this motivation. I do have one at home, you know. Um, all these, the kindergartners really believe in it. Is that real? Yes. For a grandmother it is. All these emotional guidelines to make sense of our questions. Our wizard may be part god, part guru, a religious figure, a shaman, a magician, a teacher, a therapist, maybe a, a bit of a con man. The questions we ask of this figure will be much the same. What is life on earth for? Why am I here? What is my life for? And how in the world am I in to interact with all these others, all these wonderful and strange and helpful and sometimes abrasive folks I meet upon the way. How am I to be whole in this world? We ask questions like, why did I come into this particular family? Where is my home? What is the way home? Now, of course, I'm on that same journey. And I have as many or as few answers as many of you do. And I do have lots of questions and some observations, hence this reflection. So back in seminary, which I started in 20 years ago, 
When I began seminary down in Meadville Lombard, which is our seminary down in Chicago, it's mostly online these days, but I was down in Chicago. Well, we went for a week-long orientation, we first years, where tips on how to navigate more easily through our first-year classes, descriptions of the various professors we would encounter, the ins and outs of our new neighborhood. It's down in Hyde Park, a very well-to-do neighborhood right next to South Chicago, a very, very poor neighborhood, and a warning about all the feelings that might arise over the loss of our previous homes and lives, the, the general fears and sadness we might experience because of all the changes in our lives and the anxiety that would inevitably be produced by all the demands soon to be placed on us. Now, the theme of our orientation, the, the metaphor for our seminary journey, was the Wizard of Oz. Uh, the previous class had taken Harry Potter, and so that was no longer available. <laughs> now, the Wizard of Oz, a story of journeys undertaken alone and together. Dorothy wants to return home to her beloved Kansas and her family. The Scarecrow wants a brain, the Tin Man a heart, the Lion courage. As you might remember, each character in the Wizard of, Wizard of Oz finds that he or she already has the power within them to affect the change that they want. Dorothy needs only tap her ruby slippers to return home. The Scarecrow, who has exhibited a, a discernment and an intelligence throughout the journey, receives a diploma telling the world that he truly has the brains that he's shown all along. Those of us with diplomas know that maybe we do have the brains and maybe we really don't, but <laughs> they're not as many brains as other people might think. The Tin Man, tender towards one and all, gets a clock, a ticker heart, to represent the in emotions inherent in his every action along the yellow brick road. And the lion, the lion gets a medal, the outward proof that he has truly and nobly and consistently sacrificed his personal safety for the good of his companions. And he has done that throughout the journey. So we are all on this journey in search of this holy trinity, brains, heart, and courage. So what Helpful hints might we get from Scarecrow, Tin Man, and Lion. This might be familiar. You could sing along. I could while away the hours conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. Yeah, I'd unravel every riddle for any individual in trouble or in pain with the thoughts I'd be thinking I could be another Lincoln if I only had a brain. I, I could tell you why the ocean's near the shore. I could think of things I never thought before. And then, of course, you think and think some more. These reflections are a reflection of that. Well, this scarecrow, this scarecrow in the first of Dorothy's is the first of Dorothy's companions on her journey to Oz. And, and it, it struck me reading these lyrics again that nature is where the scarecrow searches for a framework as to what he would think about and how he would go about thinking it. He's conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. You know, thinking about the ocean. <sighs> yeah, and the shore. 
His song suggests that we delicately open our minds to wonder, allow the trickle of our thoughts to blossom in our minds, open our hearts and enlarge our spirits. Lots of different kinds of wisdom out there. We're reminded to remember beauty, pay attention to it and work to preserve the beautiful. And we are told to recognize and acknowledge that intellectual growth is a lot of continuous, slow, fraught with setbacks, hard work. Oh, oh I can't think of anything I can say in church. I thought I learned that already. Uh, mm. The slow and steady process as we use our brains, acquire knowledge, and maybe even turn some of that knowledge into wisdom is important transformative work. We all hope our brains will make us worthy. Now, brains are important stuff, but they will make us worthy. Now, brains are important stuff, but they are only part of the picture. Now, you notice in, our, in your order of service, I've put in some readings. Now, you may read along with me. You may read responsively with me. The first one is number 655, Change alone is unchanging. Now, I remember that um, coming out of a religion that had lots of responsive stuff, I hated doing responsive readings. You may, you do not have to say anything. Just read along. Heraclitus of um, Ephesus was a fourth century before the Christian era, very enigmatic Greek philosopher, concerned with the changing nature of the world and with humans' attempts to order it through reason. And this is what he wrote or said, probably. Whosoever wishes to know about the world must learn about it in its particular details. Knowledge is not intelligence. In searching for the truth, be ready for the unexpected. Change alone is unchanging. The same road goes both up and down, the beginning of a circle is also its end. Not I, but the world says it. All is one, and yet everything comes in season. I told you, enigmatic. Got to think about that one. Well, then there's Scarecrow. I'd be tender, I'd be gentle, and awful sentimental regarding love and art. I'd be friends with the sparrows and the boy that shoots the arrows if I only had a heart. Just to register emotion, jealousy, devotion, and really feel the part. I would stay young and chipper, and I'd lock it with a zipper if I only had a heart. So. Along with the brains, we're also looking for heart, for emotion, for satisfaction, for nurturance, for ways to be with one another, to be, for ways to be with one other. Now, another way of saying this is that we are looking for right relationship. Um, I, Frederick Muir he was a, uh, is a retired now Unitarian Universalist minister in A Heretic's Vocabulary, uh, an interesting little book. Uh, we, of course, are heretics. We have beliefs that, that are all over the book. Um, and how do we define words like God and faith and hope? 
And Frederick Muir writes, if we expect to enter into relationships that are going to, be more to make more kindness in our lives, if we wish to be treated well, if we want out of the hells we may live in, if we seek to create a better place in which to live and worship, then we must understand and practice what we want, what has come to be called right relations. Right relations is about putting people first, not rules and regulations, certainly not commandments. Right relations means not doing to others what you wouldn't want done to you. Now, he, he ends, it sounds so simple. It sounds so simple. It makes so much sense. Be kind to others who are kind to you. Be kind to others who are not kind to you. That was a hard one starting in 2016, wasn't it? It's always a hard one. In this congregation, as members in covenant with one another, we intentionally take this journey together, a journey toward wholeness, a conscious and committed and hard effort to be a beloved community. We listen, we support one another, we provide space for both the longtime member and the new time seeker. This is hard work, work that transforms us, work that transforms our religious community and our world community into a beloved place. Caring and caring constructively is darned hard work. One of the reasons it is so hard is, is that we are all, even the strongest and most intelligent among us, often such wounded souls part of us, wounded, beset by not always so fine people skills. I know I have certainly made some bloopers in my ministry. Arguing when indeed there is nothing to, uh, of substance to argue about. Ah, we're good about that. Arguing poorly when there is, is indeed something of substance to argue about. We always, we always carry our fears and our failures and our sadnesses with us. So heart work is hard work. Caring and caring constructively is hard work. It is darned hard work to discern, to distinguish what sort of care is called for. A listening ear, a kind touch, a, a visit and a hot dish. Do you call them hot dishes here in Wisconsin? A casserole. Some, uh, <laughs> Minnesota speak, you know. Um, some actual advice. Or is another kind of care called for? Is tough love, hard truths, the, the need to acknowledge and deal with conflict, uh, confront actions truly destructive to the beloved community, provide firm guidelines? These are all ways of showing care, and no easy or ready answers exist. But what Dorothy and her companions tell us is speak your truth as you know it to be, gently and firmly. Acknowledge that you cannot speak for another. Be ready to ask forgiveness when you've gotten something all wrong. Poppies, poppies may make us forget our goal for a while, but our friends will help us remember what is important. And those flying monkeys, those flying monkeys may come after us, but once again, it is our companions who will help us get away. 
I invite you, if you wish, to open your hymnals to reading number 662, 662, Strange and Foolish Walls. Now, A. Powell Davies was another um, Unitarian minister in the early 20th century. He died in 1957. He was born in England, and he was originally a Methodist minister, but in 1944, he became the minister of All Souls Church in Washington, D.C., still a thriving Unitarian Universalist congregation. And he writes, The years of all of us are short, our lives precarious. Our days and nights go hurrying on, and there is scarcely time to do the little that we might. Yet we find time for bitterness, for petty treason and evasion. What can we do to stretch our hearts enough to lose their littleness? Here we are, all of us, all upon this planet, bound together in a common destiny, living our lives between the briefness of the daylight and the dark, kindred in this, each lighted by the same precarious, flickering flame of life. How does it happen that we are not kindred in all things else? How strange and foolish are these walls of separation that divide us. So brains and heart. Yeah, it's sad, believe me, Missy, when you're born to be a sissy without the vim and verve. But I could change my habits, never more be scared of rabbits if I only had the noive. Yeah, I'm afraid there's no denying I'm just an awful dandelion, a fate I don't deserve. But I could, I could show my prowess, be a lion, not a mouse, if I only had the noive. Ah, yeah, if I only had the nerve. I would show the dinosaurus who's, who's king around the forest, a king that's they'd better serve. And with my regal Beezer, I could be another Caesar if I only had the nerve. So what are we scared of? Well, probably not rabbits, uh, maybe mice, snakes, spiders. Scared of not being seen, of not mattering. Scared of failure, loss, loss of loved ones. Scared of death. Maybe scared of words or ideas. Afraid of conflict. Afraid of being told what to do. Afraid of losing our individuality. Maybe losing our individuality by joining a faith community. Afraid of making changes or taking risks. Afraid we have lost our way. So we need courage. We need courage to find a new way, a healthier way, a wider and softer and more nurturing way in our own lives. We need the courage, along with the brains and the heart, to recognize and accept when we have failed and the courage to try over again. The courage we need is both the courage to face the consequences when we've done wrong and the courage to face our obligations to act when we think we are right. And we need the courage to own our leadership and speak our truth and make our judgments, not upon people, but on just, unjust or insensitive personal acts, as well as 
unjust or insensitive systems of power and abuse of power. Now, truly, just being a liberal person of faith these days is an act of courage. We accept the responsibility to build our own theology, our belief of, in what we feel is of supreme worth, what is our, uh, going back to last week's sermon, what is our ultimate, what is our horizon of significance, what is our, is the reason why we act the way we do. what human nature is, our, our belief in how the world works and what sort of world we want to see and how we humans need to act in it. These are all pieces of our theology, our atheology, if you will. We accept the responsibility to both fashion and to delineate our beliefs and the responsibility to act on our beliefs. We face our fears so big, so small, we live to see the great day that dawns and the light that fills the world. We answer the call of love, change ourselves, change our world in whatever big or very small world. And the way leads on. I invite you to open once again to reading number 670, 670, The Way. And Edwin Muir was the, a Scottish author and critic, died back in 1959. Friends, I have lost the way. The way leads on. Is there another way? The way is one. I must retrace the track. It's lost and gone. Back, I must travel back. None goes there, none. Then I'll make here my place. The road runs on. Stand still and set my face. The road leaps on. Stay here, forever stay. None stays here, none. I cannot find the way. The way leads on. Oh, places I have passed. That journey's done. And what will come at last? The way leads on, forever changing, forever one, the way leads on. So first, during this journey of life, we work on ourselves, change begins at home. This culling and refining of head and heart and spirit is a, is a lifelong endeavor. As is the case for Dorothy, the tin man, the scarecrow, and the lion, in this journey, we are to recognize and refine and intentionally use the talents and strengths that have been inside us all our lives. Part of our journey is this transformation of self from rough and raw material, uncultivated emotions, blind spots of various magnitudes, and spots of various intensities. The transformation of one's self into calm, effective, loving, and whole persons. But the work doesn't stop there. As a universalist, a Unitarian, and as a congregation, we choose to do this transformative work, not by ourselves, but in community. We try to make ourselves into a beloved community, a community in which all are heard and to some extent understood, not necessarily followed or agreed with, mind you, but a, a place where all are heard. So in another 
interesting, lovely little book called Free Thinking Mystics with Hands. Author Tom Owen Toll writes, we're reminded that the derivation of the word community comes literally from the Latin word munio, means to arm. Arms, he tells us, huddle together in times of sorrow and swing open in moments of rejoicing. Arms reach outward in justice building and peacemaking, not merely inwards in narcissistic embrace. Arms offer forgiveness, the gift of a second chance. Arms defend us against arrogance and shallowness, outside agitators or internal saboteurs. This is not easier work. So here we are, here we are, theists and atheists, Wiccans and Buddhists, Taoists and religious naturalists, folks from a variety of religious backgrounds and from no religious background at all. And so, a story. A story about talking with somebody who doesn't have the same quite religious beliefs as you do, but, but the way we can be understood. A story about a pope and a rabbi. So several, several centuries ago, Pope Roberto decreed that all the Jews had to convert to Catholicism or leave Italy in a matter of days. Oh, there was a huge outcry from the Jewish community, so Roberto offered a deal. He would have a religious debate with the leader of the Jewish community. If the Jews won, well, they could stay in Italy. If he won, they would have to convert or leave. So the Jews met, and they picked the aged and wise Rabbi Gamliel to represent them in the debate. However, as the rabbi spoke no Italian and the Pope spoke no Yiddish, they agreed that it would be a silent debate. <laughs> On the chosen day, the Pope and the rabbi sat opposite each other. Now the Pope raised his hand and showed three fingers. The rabbi looked back and he raised only one finger. Next, the pope waved his finger around his head. The rabbi pointed to the ground where he sat. Now the pope. The pope next brought out bread and wine, the communion of, and wafer and the chalice of wine. And the rabbi, he pulled out an apple. With that, the pope stood up and declared that he was beaten and that the rabbi was too clever. The Jews could stay in Italy. So later, the cardinals met with the pope and asked him what had happened. Well, Pope Roberto said, first I held up three fingers to represent the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He responded by holding up one finger to remind me there is still only one God common to both our beliefs. Then I waved my finger around my head to show him that God was all around us, and he responded by pointing to the ground to show that God was also right here with us. Well, I pulled out the wine and bread to show that God absolves us of all our sins through the, the sacrament of Holy Communion, and he pulled out an apple to remind me of the Garden of Eden, an original sin. Well, he had beaten me at every move, and I could not continue. Meanwhile, the Jews gathered to ask Rabbi Gamliel how he had won. Oh, I haven't a clue, he said. First, he said to me that we had three days to get out of Italy. So 
I gave him the finger. <laughs> I apologize to anybody who has to explain to their child what that was. <laughs> Then he tells me that the whole country would be cleared of Jews, and I said to him, we were staying right here. <laughs> and then what, asked a woman. Oh, who knows, said the rabbi. He took out his lunch and I took out mine. <laughs> Sometimes when arguing about those points of theology, we're not going to get too far. But vision, justice, mercy, those are our guides on our way. With brains and heart and courage, may we use them wisely and well. May your journeys through spring and into summer lead you to both new places and old. May it be so. May we make it so. Blessed be and amen. And so, I so much want to thank you for the privilege and the pleasure of filling this pulpit for the last four months. It has been a delight. And, and yes, open your hymns, open your hymnals, the teal hymnals, 1008, when our heart is in a holy place. And if you would rise in body or spirit as you are able.
I believe actually at this point, you could probably be seated. This song, May Sunshine Light Your Way, is dedicated to Suzanne for her last day here. Time sun shine upon you, all love surround you, and the pure, pure light that's within you guide your way home. Learn that song one time. May the long time sun shine upon you, all love surround you, and the pure, pure light that's within you, guide your way home. 
May the long time sun shine upon you. All love surround you, and the pure, pure light that's within you guide your way home. Please be seated for the postlude. <laughs> 